Hello. Hey, Kim. And hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Heart to Heart. I'm Bria. And I'm Kim. And we want to thank you again for tuning in and supporting our podcast. So this week, we do have special thanks to give out. And these go to Brooke Michio and Katie Bilotti. Yes, these two phenomenal women, we, Bri and I have been following um, on YouTube for so long. And um, upon reaching out, they highlighted us um, and really gave us incredible words of affirmation in terms of our podcast. So we just want to thank them so much. Yes, thank you again. We're so grateful. And it's just so great that you guys were able to use your platforms and you know, help us. We're so appreciative. That's literally all I can say. I'm speechless. Yes, <laughs> it really was an incredible moment. Also, it really too, was. Um, whatever platform you're listening to us on, make sure you leave us a rating and a comment and make sure you follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. Yes. And if you're probably wondering right now, uh, why is this episode coming out on a Sunday? Why am I not hearing it on Saturday, July 4th? We just didn't really want to have any content come out on the 4th because it would just been really weird, messy, like awkward timing. And we just didn't want to have it come out on July 4th. So that's why you're hearing it a day late quote unquote and also depending on your feedback yeah sunday so, could be the new upload day yeah we will put out a poll on our instagram which is heart to heart podcast which you can also find in the description of this podcast um and yeah fill out that poll so that we can get an idea of whether saturdays or sundays are better yes Okay, I think it's time to get into the episode after taking care of all that business. Mm -hmm. um, so the question we're posing today definitely is one we've like talked about a lot yeah. and had time to grapple with for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And the question is, why aren't Black women included in your feminism? Mm. So before we get into that, because that is a big topic... First, we're just going to start off and define what intersectional feminism is, because that's the type of feminism we are talking about today. Mm -hmm. So intersectional feminism was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw when she saw how Black women's struggles weren't recognized at the intersection of both race and gender. And she personally defines intersectional feminism as a prism for seeing the way in which various forms of inequality often operate together and exacerbate each other. She says that we tend to talk about race inequality as separate from inequality based on gender, class, sexuality, or immigrant status. What's often missing is how some people are subject to all of these. And the experience is not just the sum of its parts. Exactly. And so in thinking about this more broadly, it's, and again, thinking about black womanhood, there's two things that we have to look at that from. Mm -hmm. our race and our gender and mm -hmm. put together those identities are exacerbated and elicit a different just a whole bunch of different effects and life experiences yeah, a different experience exactly yep exactly and so now that we have that definition off the way and thinking about why black women aren't included in feminism at large there is historical implications that kind of make all that evident and explain why things are the way they are today exactly so starting off white women have always left black women out of the suffrage movement but this makes a lot of sense because up to 30 percent of slave owners were white women and after the civil war white women were full participants in the kkk lynching black people and all different types of terror that black people experienced during reconstruction post-reconstruction jim crow all of that 
And I think it's critical to point out that white women aren't absolved of any of the atrocities that have happened to black people throughout history. Although we may see a lot of these things and a lot of highlights on white men, white women have also been a critical part of this system. And it's a danger. It's a dangerous narrative to exclude white women. Yes, I know, like the media and just like historical portrayals of white women have always been like innocent and like docile and like you know just kind of there. Like, like not they never took the lead. On. Yeah, just like oh, what's really going on? No, they were full on members of you know and benefit from this like systemic mm-hmm. racism. Yes, and also to an important thing to know as we're thinking about the suffrage movement and you know later the feminist feminist movement is that once black men gain suffrage, gain the right to vote before white women, any type of coalition building that was happening between black people and white women just fell apart. Mm-hmm. And it's really like important to say that, yes, while there were people, while there were women who were fighting for, you know, the right to vote and like just equal rights as women. And while many of those suffragettes were abolitionists, many of them were still really infuriated by black men getting the right mm-hmm. to vote first because they felt as though they were above them. Why would, you know, black men get the right to vote before we do as right. white women? And that showed that there was never a true allyship there. No. And race has always been used as a wedge to divide people, like, on a large scale. But yeah. in this episode, we're going to be talking about how race has been used to divide women. Mm-hmm. And not all women are treated equal. Nope. And so um, I wanted to talk about this Susan B. Anthony quote that you might not have ever heard. Because I know that... In school, I never heard this quote, and it just kind of shows the education system is really failing us. So this is the quote. I will cut off this right arm of mine before I will ever work or demand the ballot for the Negro and not the woman. Mm. There's just a lot to unpack here. There's so much to unpack here. The Negro and not the woman, as if you can't be both Black and a woman. Right. Or if, like, you... You, you feel in your heart that you have to come first. Mm-hmm. And so you see that element of white supremacy embedded within that movement. Exactly. And, you know, white suffragettes during Reconstruction, they made the decision that it was more important mm-hmm. that the white woman earn the right to vote than support anti-lynching causes. And there was a real investment in whiteness that was made. You know, exactly. whiteness has historically been put first. Yes. It's never like, I'm a woman first. It mm-hmm. is, I am white first. Right. Exactly. And I think that's really critical in thinking about why women who obviously have a marginalized identity have not been able to coalition build with Black people, Black Mm -hmm. women, and the ways in which they should. Logically, you think, okay, these people both have some type of marginalized identity. They should partner, but they haven't. Mm -hmm. And this hasn't changed. So even when we look at the Me Too movement, it was started by Tarana Burke, a Black woman. But when we often think of the movement, movement, we see white women at the center of it. White voices mm-hmm. being highlighted, and it has shown that history repeats itself. And all these historical implications have nicely situated themselves right into our modern life. I think for the Women of the Week, Kim is going to get more into that. Mm-hmm. Just the same narrative of Black women issues are not highlighted nope. whereas issues pertaining to white women and like putting white women in the forefront are always highlighted yeah and so we're kind of now going to transition into like what you guys come here for the personal stories and how you know we, we relate to these issues mm-hmm. so I know Kim and I have always seen whether it's like either on social media or literally in person from people we know that there's many people that preach girl power 
But that never includes black women. Nope, never does. And there's never. been so many times where, you know, we've been in spaces, it's all women. You think it should be a really comfortable situation where you can share and talk about your experiences. But there's this added layer of exclusion that we felt. Mm-hmm. There's I always feel, a divide. Yeah. Yep. And it's based on the fact that historically there's been a racial divide between women. Right, right. And this has manifested in a lot of different ways. You know, some of it took, you know, high school, college, people doing stuff without us, never including Mm -hmm. us, Mm -hmm. even just not being able to build relationships in the same way, because you just know that there's something weird there. There's some type of disconnect. There's some reason why, you know, you don't feel a part of the larger group that you're trying to talk to, people that you're trying to, you know, coalesce with. It's just weird to put into words and it's really hard to put into words. Mm -hmm. And I know Kim and I have both had so many conversations over the years about this. Like, why does it feel different? Like, why? And then now we're just kind of realizing, like, even if it is unintentional, it's still there. Right. And I know that I personally have really directly had a situation that laid this bare to me. And I remember being um, in middle school uh, I was with a group of my white friends and I remember two of them saying to me like, oh yeah, like our other friend mentioned that it's always going to be kind of different when you're around because you're black. And there was never any context to that. Like they just kind of talked about that and said that to me. Mm-hmm. And clearly after that moment, I have no clue how I'm supposed to operate. Yeah, I can't change my blackness. Yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, kiss up to people so that they can try to like not see my blackness. So it seems mm-hmm. like I can fit in. Mm-hmm. And then it's just you kind of take a step back, and then you're evaluating all your other friendships, and you're just like, well, how many people are feeling weird and feeling feeling like they can never connect with me because I'm black? Exactly. And also, too, why does that saying that sounded so like evil? Not evil, but it just really made it feel like being black was a detriment and it was so no that that is an evil statement I mean and I feel like these are the same people who I now see you know getting on Twitter getting on Instagram (laughs) and posting we are all one we are all humans (laughs) like race doesn't matter color we don't see color and it's like but you saw color in the seventh grade when you said that right what are you talking about right saying like it's always going to be different when I'm around because Mm -hmm. I'm black Mm mm-hmm And it's, like, that right there puts into words, like, the subconscious fears we've always had. Right, right. And it's it's bizarre because I don't even know where this starts. Because I can look back and see, like, so many childhood friendships with, you know, people who are white or just non-black. And they were just beautiful friendships. Like, we were just kids, just chilling, having a good time, playing. But something clicks. Yeah. And when, literally, when did that happen for someone now to put that into words of, hmm, it's always going to be different because you're black. Yeah. And then, like like you said, you apply that to every friendship you have. Like, if they were the one, like the the one group, like bold enough to say that out loud, it's like, who who am I friends with still that like think that, Mm -hmm. even if they don't realize they think that, that it like still applies. Right. And again, it just like thinking about that, it, then you always feel like, am I never going to be able to connect with white people? Are they always going to see mm-hmm. my blackness as a detriment and as mm-hmm. this friendship always being surface level and never being something that can be serious? Mm-hmm. And that takes a huge emotional toll on you because 
you know, we grew up in a mostly white environment. I mean, our school was diverse, but it was so in segregated terms of, in terms of like how the class distribution was as we got older and were put into honors classes, the more and more white it became. And so this was our environment. There was no changing that. Exactly. And entering into those spaces and having to think through. I've heard this before. I heard that people always are going to feel different around me because I'm black you're going to feel really weird about trying to make connections with people. You're going to feel like there's so much that you have to live up to. You know, there, there's so much that you're going to have to think about before you even open your mouth. And mm-hmm. it should never be like that. And it should never feel that unnatural. That goes, that kind of goes along with what we just, what we discussed last episode about the perfectionism and like the expectations placed yeah. on us as black girls. And it just felt like, well, I don't want to do anything wrong because what if I give them a reason yeah. to like not connect with me? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like more of a reason. Exactly. More of a reason. Like, well, they because already you think already it's different because I'm black. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give them another reason. Like maybe I'm, you know, not funny or maybe I'm this or maybe like I said something stupid in class where it's like, oh, she's done. We don't want to hang out with her. Right. But it's like you always have to be on your toes yeah. just to like feel like try to make other people feel comfortable. Right. And it's just, like, even if those, like, explicit conversations wasn't, like, the actual thought process, that's just what subconsciously mm-hmm. is being conditioned in your mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how to put it into words. And it's so hard, you know, even thinking about this for such a long time. You yeah. know, thinking about the effect on that over time. And then, you know, kind of just evaluating your ability to make friends and, like, what people kind of place on you that confirmed you already feeling out of place in society. You already know that things aren't working against you. And even from at a young age, even we didn't, we didn't have the language. We didn't know the exact facts. We just knew something was different. And then when people tell you that, like you said, it's that confirmation. It confirms your worst fears. Yes. Because someone's judging you on something you literally cannot control. Yeah. And it just like, I'm like, I don't want to get emotional during this episode. Like I really don't, but like, just feeling like you're never nice enough. You're never funny enough. Yeah, you you're can't never win. this enough. You can't win because it literally comes down to something you can't change. Yeah. And it's the worst feeling ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I promise this is not <laughs> just Brie and I. Like, the conversations I've had with so many other Black women just at my school and even beyond. The, yeah. It's the same kind of feelings, more or yeah. less. Yeah. I completely agree with Kim and the fact that, like, we both have been blessed with like finding a lot of black people in college and like finding people who we can relate to and like yeah. finally sit down and have these conversations and be like, so I'm not crazy. Right. So you guys felt it too. Yeah. Like that's done wonders for me. And I just hear some of my friends experiences and it's, it's just sick that we all have had to go through this at some point in our lives and mm-hmm. we continue to go through this. Yeah. And also too, I feel like thinking back on, me being like a little bit more reserved and quiet probably was also grounded in like just feeling like nothing that came out of my mouth would ever be enough for those connections Mm -hmm. to happen and for some of those friendships to form in terms of like non-black people accepting me and that's Mm -hmm. like a really crazy thing to think about and like piece together and obviously it's you know I, I genuinely feel like more or less my personality is pretty quiet but I'm sure that played like such a huge role in dynamic and thinking about, like, where you actually feel comfortable. And if you don't even, like, feel comfortable because you feel like people are judging you off of words that haven't even come out your mouth yet, do you know how that's going to impact how you move forward and how you go forward? And I feel like I'm definitely starting to break out of my shell more and see past all that because 
to be successful and to be prosperous, I have to overcome these things, but it mm-hmm. shouldn't be something that I have to overcome in my growing of age and my, you know, womanhood and all of this. It shouldn't be, I shouldn't have to do this. Yeah. And I, I want to say like the Kim that I always knew was never quiet. And that's because, mm-hmm. like, we were really comfortable with each other, you know? Exactly. So, like, yep. it was just so interesting, like, when people would say, Kim is so quiet. Kim is so this. Kim is so that. It's like, that you think that because you don't know her. Yeah. Like, and, like, I'm not a- trying to open up and feel yeah. comfortable and, like, be worried about what's coming out of my mouth because of just and all these subconscious things. Exactly. And I feel like part of it, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, part of it probably was also, like, fear of rejection again you know mm-hmm. what I mean like because someone's saying that thing to you about like it's always gonna be different because you're black like I would close off too yeah I'm not friends with those people anymore <laughs> because how 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 do you go how do you move forward how can you have a relationship Tell me after how that you move forward. how can you form a relationship after that with those people that doesn't make sense it doesn't so now thinking about where do we go from here um you know how as black women do we operate in spaces where there aren't black women you know how do non-black people unpack some of their implicit biases that result in these situations and I think in thinking about this and thinking about solutions I think a lot of these stories and things that we've talked about show that people need to actively teach their kids about racial differences and really drive home the lesson that these do not determine the the kind of person somebody Mm -hmm. is Race is not an indicator of personality, of worth, of anything. Nope. And to do this, we can't preach colorblindness. We need to actively acknowledge race, be anti-racist, and move forward with that in mind. I think so many people think that being colorblind is the answer. No. But no, you have to be able to look at someone, see their differences, see that I'm a Black woman, and accept those differences. If you try to... If you try to say, I don't see color or like try to say we're all the same, that doesn't help anybody. We need to actually see each other's differences and move past like the perceptions in our mind. Yeah. Once we stop putting stereotypes on certain racial categories, then we don't have to do that on learning because it won't be Mm -hmm. there already. Exactly. Very true. It's like a portion of it's learning, a portion of it's unlearning, depending on where that person is. Also, I want to say that just to all the black girls out there listening to this, please don't be afraid to distance yourself. I know it may be scary in the beginning, but when I tell you it is so worth it to have no one in your life than people who are just bad for you in your life. And it just, it's not going to help you to stick around in a situation where people don't value you Mm -hmm. and people don't value your self-worth. It is just way better to be alone. And I'm sure that you could find your Kim or find your Bria. And I hope you find at least one person that'll be there to support you who will understand your experiences. Cause I'm happy to have one Kim rather than 10, I don't know, other folks, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Right. And you're, you're always going to find those people that you connect with. And I, I, again, it's exactly what Bria said. You don't want to put yourself in those situations because that's just such an emotional burden that you shouldn't have to deal with on top of everything else that comes with being black. And again, I wanted to reiterate, I kind of said this before, but the burden is not on Black girls or, you know, other disenfranchised groups to bridge the gap and fit into spaces that were literally not meant for us. Yeah. You know, if people don't want us there, there's not much we can do on our end to try to, like, force our way in. Of course. And I just want to say to, you know, white women listening, please 
just take responsibility and like analyze how you treat black counterparts Mm -hmm. and make sure you're not alienating people or pushing them away. And this can be conscious or subconscious, you know, I would say most people are not aiming to push people away. Like most people are normal human beings who aren't like actively going out of their way to like make people feel bad. But we all have been there where sometimes we can do something that makes someone feel weird or feel left out. And just really be self-aware. Most definitely. Most definitely. And I think you summed that up really well. And, you know, there's so much more to this conversation. And there's so much more to talking about sisterhood, to talking about, you know, intersectional feminism. But those were just a bit of our experiences yeah. with that. So now we're going to be transitioning into our women of the week. And before I get started, I just want to do a trigger warning for sexual violence. So this week, we are highlighting Crystal Kaiser, who is 19 years old. She was recently released from Kenosha County Jail, where she was awaiting trial for two years for the killing of 34-year-old Randall Volar, who was sexually abusing her for many years during her adolescence. So currently, so she's been released on bail. Um, Her bail was posted at $400,000 down from a million dollars, and she's currently facing five felony charges, which include first-degree intentional homicide. And if convicted, she is facing a mandatory sentence of life in prison. So a little bit more about her story. So Crystal is Black, um, and essentially what happened is that she was defending herself. Mr. Volar had been sexually assaulting her for a long time, and in self-defense, she ended up killing him. Um, And this was, again, while he was forcing himself onto her. And this story is really critical to highlight for a number of reasons. Also, too, um, I'll mention that Mr. Volar, at the time um, of his death, was being investigated for trafficking and the possession of child pornography. And this case is really critical because it goes along with the idea that black girls aren't seen as victims like their white counterparts are. And our stories don't get included um, in the feminism movement. Our stories aren't posted, you know, on CNN and Mm -hmm. on the front pages of news sources. Our stories aren't mainstream. No. Um, And that obviously is an issue. And then again, it's another manifestation of how you can see that black women are separated from mm-hmm. this movement. And I think Crystal's case is particularly striking because here you really see how black women and girls are criminalized for their victimization. You know, there's no reason that Crystal should be perceived as the aggressor in the situation. She was defending herself against sexual violence over a man who clearly was committing a lot of crimes and things way before he met Crystal. For her to be seen as the criminal. Yeah, the outrage should be centered around his actions. Yes. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, why are you mad? She was released on on um, bail. But look, releasing her on bail and not throwing out the case altogether still creates the perception that she's guilty. And that she's, she's a criminal. Mm-hmm. Right. And even she's to, a victim. Right. And even to, you know, this is really familiar to the Centoya Brown case, who is a very similar thing, was being sexually abused, defended herself, ended up killing the aggressor. 
you know, she spent numerous years in jail, but was released on clemency. They're saying known criminal, I'm, but I'm releasing her. Exactly. It still puts that criminalization on to black women and girls. And this, there's been so many different cases of this. I want to just link the Georgetown law report, which is called Girlhood Interrupted, the Erasure of Black Girls Childhood, which sets up these situations very nicely, just in terms of showing all the different structural um, ramifications that lead this type of thing to happen. And again, it just really shows how Black women have to fight for Black women, and there's Mm -hmm. not people fighting for us. Definitely. It definitely is really sad, and I think that we all need to work on uplifting Black women, Black women's stories, and make sure we're reaching out to Black women, and like, not letting these things happen over and over again because it signals like that people don't care the fact that these things are able to happen again and again without public outrage or public coverage yeah. and we need to be put on the same playing field as other people mm-hmm. and when you know tragedies like this happen right i right. think we're going to wrap up the episode mm-hmm. i think there's so many great points in this episode and a lot to unpack and we hope you guys really can take what we said and apply it to your lives and how you think. Yes. And thank you so much for listening. Um, Again, we really hope that you enjoyed and please look into her case. We're putting a petition for Crystal um, in our bio. There's a lot of different advocacy that needs to be done surrounding her case. So please look into it further. Please read all the details um, and please continue paying attention to black women. Yes. We will list everything in the description box. Thank you guys for watching. Not watching. Thank you guys for listening again. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the support that you guys have given us. And we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.